today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Now, the problem is that humanity no longer has shalom. We were created in the beginning to live in the shalom of God that you see in Genesis 1 and 2 where God makes the world and there is fullness of joy. There's abundance and God calls everything very good. But soon, shalom is lost. That Rather than rejoicing in God's shalom, humanity turned and said, no, 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 you're not the path to peace. We're going to find our own path to peace. And so humanity rebelled. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. The biggest lies that Satan tells us is that it's easier to give in to the world system and that satisfaction and peace can be achieved apart from God. As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching series through the book of Proverbs, we'll learn how peace can only be obtained by receiving salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus. The only way we can have peace with God is if we receive the grace of God by faith. Sin is a temporary fix. It doesn't provide peace. Living for the Lord and obeying His commandments brings true peace. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part one of his message, God's Path, The Path to Peace. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about how to come to a place of peace and wholeness in our lives. I don't know anybody that wouldn't want to hear about that. We're talking about how we come to a place of peace and wholeness in our lives. And our culture has with it many popular paths to what it says will be peace in your life. And probably the most popular, if I had to pick, the most popular path to peace in America is the one that Frank Sinatra famously belted out, I did it what? I did it my way. That, in some ways, is the anthem of our age, isn't it? Uh, That particular song, I don't know what it is about the British. The British, in particular, love this song. It lived on the top 40 charts in the UK for a record 75 weeks. They just kept playing this thing. And today, I thought this is, I I don't know if this is humorous or interesting or what, but today it is still the most popular song played at funerals in the United Kingdom. Everybody loves to play my way. And actually the tune of the song was borrowed, but uh, somebody, it was written in a different language originally, but the tune was intact. And so they rewrote lyrics. And the guy who's the lyricist actually wrote the lyrics specifically for Frank Sinatra with him in mind. Even though he was a singer-songwriter himself, he thought, no, this is, this is Frank's song. And so, to some degree, Frank Sinatra, uh, in his various comebacks, embodied this, I did it my way. I don't care what anybody tells me about my life. I'm going to do things my way. He, he sang lines like this. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. Now, here's the problem, though, with that path to peace in our culture. The problem is that, well, Frank Sinatra, as famous as he was, as wealthy as he was, as talented as he was, still battled alcoholism throughout his life. He married and divorced numerous times. He had numerous publicized fights and adulterous relationships throughout his life. And it was reported that later on in his life, he grew to hate singing 
my way, even though people would shout for it and was one of his greatest hits. And I don't know why exactly he grew to hate the song. Maybe he was just tired of it. Or maybe it was because as he aged, he realized to like some extent the lyrics were a little hollow. That there were wounds in his life that didn't heal. That certain things that he decided to do his way didn't lead to good consequences. And I think, look, like Frank Sinatra, every one of us, from retirees to teenagers, we want to find true peace and wholeness. And today, we're going to learn about what the Bible says about this. That there is a deeper and truer peace than our culture knows about, but that the path to this wholeness and peace is a very different path than the one in our culture. Let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write, write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father in whom, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Amen. Well, it's been a few weeks since we were in Proverbs, so I'm going to remind us that the beginning of Proverbs, the first section of Proverbs, is a series of lectures from a father to a son. And then after that, there's kind of various books of Proverbs that are those little pithy statements that we often think of when we think of the book of Proverbs. And this third lecture from the, the father to the son is you know, possibly the most important, if not one of the most important lectures from the father to the son, where he lays out a key kind of principle for all the rest of Proverbs. Now, these verses, you may have picked this up, but have kind of a pattern, a rhythm to them. There's an exhortation, like do this, and then there's a reason or a reward for doing that. So do this and here's why. Do this and here's why, right? So you, you begin to pick up on this. In verse 1, there's an exhortation. My son, do not forget my teaching. And then for the length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So don't forget this because of this. Verse 3 is an exhortation to pursue character that reflects God. And then verse 4 is... You'll have success with God and man. And this pattern just continues throughout all the verses. This is a common pattern in the book of Proverbs. You'll often see this both in the first half and the second half of Proverbs. Uh, uh, an encouragement or a charge and then a reason for the charge. And sometimes it's even helpful in your Bible to kind of underline one and, or with one color and the other, the, the encouragement with one color and the reason with a different color or mark it or 
whatever you want to do, but kind of notice that pattern because it lays out all of these together in this section, lay out kind of one big idea. All of the exhortations kind of lay out a path to walk and all of the rewards or reasons lay out the reason to walk down that path. And so here's kind of the big idea. Do you want the peace of God? Walk on God's path. That's a big idea this morning. Do you personally want the peace of God? Then walk on God's path. We're going to run through three sections this morning. The peace of God, the path of God, and the path to peace that runs through the cross. First section, the peace of God. Now let's lay out, I think in order for us, this passage to really have its effect on us, we're going to lay out all of the wonderful rewards and reasons to fall, to walk on God's path. And really, the, the core concept, the core reward is in verse 2. Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now, embedded in there was a concept that would have been obvious to the Hebrew readers, but is less obvious to us. That word peace is a word you may have heard in Hebrew called shalom, right? Anyone heard of that word? It gets familiar with that? Shalom. And in, in Israelite culture, shalom was very different than the way we think about peace. We primarily think about peace as like the absence of conflict, right? So there's a war and then there's peace. And there's no war, but there's peace now, right? Well, in Hebrew culture, it was very, very different. Shalom was not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of fullness and wholeness and abundance. So in other words, when you have a war, right after the hostilities end, you don't have shalom yet because your country is destroyed. People's homes are destroyed. People can't find food. There's wounded to attend to. But soon after, perhaps, houses are rebuilt and the first harvest comes in and everyone rejoices and sons that may have been thought lost on the battlefield return home and there is shalom. Right? That, that is what's being promised and held out in these verses. Now, the problem is that humanity no longer has shalom. We were created in the beginning to live in the shalom of God that you see in Genesis 1 and 2 where God makes the world and there is fullness of joy. There's abundance and God calls everything very good. But soon, shalom is lost. That rather than rejoicing in God's shalom, humanity turned and said, no, 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 you're not the path to peace. We're going to find our own path to peace. And so humanity rebelled. And look, this is not extreme. This is what sin is. When the Bible speaks of sin, this is what sin is. Sin, what, one of the aspects of sin is us saying, listen, we will not be content with the peace of God. We will follow our own path of rebellion to find our own peace. The problem is this. The problem is not only does God rightly judge us for our rebellion, we're following a false promise of peace. Because path after path after path we choose ourselves leads to nothing but suffering and hurt, frustration and sorrow. So that's why it's surprising that these verses say this. Listen, if you don't forget my teaching, you know what's at the end of this road? Shalom. 
Shalom. See, God did not leave humanity cut off. He, he called this people to himself. He called this people to live in his peace again. And so the father in this passage is pleading with the son. Son, see the shalom that God holds out for you. Don't make the mistake of our first parents, Adam and Eve, and, and kind of follow your own path of kind of self-discovery and rebellion, thinking that it will satisfy you. No, listen to me. Find the peace of God. And this is, a, this is a full picture of peace here. Look at, look at these verses. Verse 2 holds out the hope that the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So this shalom will be present in your life and it will abide there for a long time. It will be a long life in it. Verse 4 holds out that if you do this, you're going to find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. This word success really means reputation. In other words, you'll have favor and a good reputation with people around you and with God. Verse 6 holds out the hope that God will make straight your paths, that that your life direction is not just going to be frustration and discouragement, but it will be fulfilled. Verse 8 holds out really practical hope that your whole body and your spirit will be refreshed. Verse 10 holds out hope that if you put your hand to some work, it's not going to be frustrated, but it's going to be blessed and multiplied. Even materially, there'll be, there'll kind of be an outpouring of this. And verse 11 holds out hope that God will delight in you as a father delights in the son. This is the shalom of God held out. Now, listen, I know there's a few people in here that, that maybe are a little savvy, okay? Uh, and, and you're saying or thinking this. Well, listen, I, I've hear these promises, you know, if you follow this path, you know, these things will come to you. But listen, I knew somebody that was really godly, that really loved the Lord. And, and you know what? They, they didn't live a long life. They were taken early. They were taken too early. Um, Or I know somebody that really followed the Lord and instead of prospering materially, they lost everything and, and went bankrupt and it wasn't their fault. Or I know somebody that's really godly and their health isn't just flourishing. It's actually not doing well. And in scripture, maybe you, you think of the story of Job, this, this godly man who God himself said was, by all appearances, compared to his countrymen, a righteous man. And yet he lost his children. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost everything. So what do we, what do, we do with this? How do we wrestle with this? Well, two qualifications here. The first is to remember the type of literature that Proverbs is, Okay. It's not helpful to read the Bible as if every verse is the same type of writing, okay? Some, some parts of the Bible are letters. Some parts of the Bible are histories of what happened. Some parts of the Bible are proverbs, which are these, right? We live in a broken and fallen world. And so that has to be taken into account from the rest of Scripture as we interpret the proverbs. And so what the proverbs do is they set forth a generally true principle, right? If over time, over generations, over lots of people, following God's path of diligence and hard work will often lead to what? Material prosperity. In other words, if you're lazy and you don't plan and you don't do well at your job, you're not going to be doing well financially. But if you work hard and you really uh, are diligent, then often God blesses that. And just practically, you end up having enough food for the winter, right? You get out there and you harvest well, you'll have enough food 
These are proverbs. These are generally true principles. And yet, we have to take into account that we live in a broken and fallen world. And yet, even in this broken and fallen world, walking God's path will lead to better results and more peace than rejecting it. And we'll say more about that in just a second. And second, remember this, that the Proverbs are also qualified by the context that they're in, okay? So, for example, the hope that God will make straight your path happens, if you're paying attention, when you're walking God's path, right? You see that? It, it, it's, your paths will be made straight, but the assumption is you're walking God's path. And so when you're walking God's path, God makes that path straight. It, what, here's what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean is I want to go my own path and I want God to make that path straight. That's not what it means, right? That's not, that's not the context. You're not understanding the context. So you can't say, I want a bunch of money. I want to be wealthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be able to do what I want. And I want God to bless that. That's not what the Proverbs have in view here. You're walking God's path and that brings God's blessings. Now, beyond that, okay, so those are two qualifications. Beyond that, I think we're not serving the text if we simply try to explain away these promises. When we read promises like this, we should see this picture of shalom, something that our souls and hearts long for. That's in each and every human being because we long for a return to the garden, right? Where our first parents lived with God in fullness and abundance and joy, where there wasn't just an absence of conflicts. There's the presence of abundance. And our hearts long for that. And I think scripturally, we should long for that. See, behind every quest in our culture, we are searching for shalom. See, some people search for shalom in a party scene full of drugs and random hookups. Why do they do that? Because they believe that that will make them happy or whole or full. Or we look for shalom in climbing a business ladder of higher and higher salaries, of nicer TVs, of better cars, of nicer vacations. Why do we do that? Because we're looking for shalom. Or maybe if you're a teen, you look for it in video games or an online notoriety of, on Instagram or Snapwack or whatever it is. I know it's called Snapchat, but whatever. It's like to make fun of the teens. Bookface and stuff like that. Um, why do we do that? Why do we spend hours and hours and hours updating and, and constantly checking? Did so-and-so like it? Did so-and-so like it? We're looking for shalom. In a recent Hollywood film by a noted director, uh, Terrence Malick, and I'm not recommending this film, by the way, but I read a review of it that I thought was insightful as it relates to our culture. Um, the review says this, this film was inspired by an ancient Persian text about a prodigal son who's on a quest to find an elusive pearl. But it's transcribed kind of into a modern context of Los Angeles. And so the film is two hours of the director wandering, philandering, and suffering through the spiritual and physical deserts of Los Angeles. The wayward prince is some sort of Hollywood big shot, and the world is his oyster. But will he find the pearl? He looks for it everywhere. He searches for it in spiritual mysticism, variously attending tarot readings and Zen spaces and Japanese rock gardens. He searches for it in contemporary art and in suffering, in pool parties at the standard. 
And most vividly, he searches for it in women. A lot of them. But the irony, the review says, it, it never makes any progress toward true peace. The reviewer concludes this way. The character is in a dream world, half asleep, making no progress on his spiritual quest because the beauty that should be pointing him higher is instead luring him deeper into idolatry. That reviewer absolutely nails it. He's in a dream world making no progress to peace because the beauty he sees that should be calling him out of his life to look above himself is only luring him deeper and deeper into setting his peace and happiness on idols, on things that cannot truly fulfill him. But isn't that, could that be the film made of any of our lives? A string of, maybe, maybe we're not Hollywood big shots, but in our own way, we're looking for peace and happiness here and there. The common thread, though, is that we're doing it our way. But it doesn't negate the fact that we're all trying to get to this shalom. That there's something in our hearts that when we read these verses, long for that, right? So how do we get there? Section two, the path of God. The peace of God and the path of God. See, the core commandment that all the other commandments hinge on is verse 5. This is the longest exhortation. This is kind of the, the center of these exhortations. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So let's break this down. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, in Hebrew literature, the heart is kind of the the seat of the will and the emotions and the desires. And so you direct all your emotions and your will and your desires to completely and totally trust in God. Have you ever thought about the fact that every act of obedience to God requires you to trust God? See, every act of obedience is you saying, okay, there's some paths here. God's path is this path. So, I will not commit adultery. I'm going to stay faithful, right? Or this, here's the paths. I'm filing my taxes or whatever. I'm going to just not mention these things. Or I could honor the governing authorities, trust the Lord's going to provide financially. And see, in order for you to do that, you have to trust God. And many times we're called to trust God when we don't see how it's going to work out. When obeying God doesn't immediately seem like it will lead to shalom, but to disaster, right? Every act of obedience is an act of trust. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. shelves are lined with books and stadiums are filled with speakers touting the very latest and greatest about wisdom. And while God can and he does use these sorts of methods to impart wisdom, the very best place to obtain God's wisdom is through his word, specifically the book of Proverbs. Pastor Ricky is currently teaching through a series entitled Wisdom for Life, where he will tackle everyday issues through the lens of God's wisdom. 
You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website. That's betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to join us, then please come out and visit this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The theme music for Better News Radio has been provided by Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from this series, Wisdom for Life. That's next time on Better News Radio.